2: and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. If y'all purchase anything from Go Wild, make sure that you're using the Houndsman XP promo code. And that code is going to be HXP10. So when you go in there and you download your cart, and you come up to the bottom and it says promo code, add Houndsman XP to it. You guys are in for a treat. So through some of my travels, and we talked about that several times this year, um, and when I met Pete Rogers with the Christian Outdoor Podcast, uh, Pete put me onto some social media stuff, which is Carbon TV, and I started following Carbon TV, and this chef kept popping up in all my feeds, <laughs> and I started watching what she was doing, and I'm like, man, that looks so good that I want to try it. So I continued to follow her and I just reached out to her and said, Hey, can you give us some cooking lessons on wild game? Because that seems to be her specialty. And she uh, obliged and we have got chef Shelly Meyer on from Darby, Montana. Yeah. And how is this?
3: We're spread out a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, Southwest Virginia to Montana. Now there you go. You just enlightened me on something that I wasn't aware of. Of course, I'm not a big fan either, but what are you close to and what's one of the places that you get to hang out? (laughs) You got to tell us. You got to tell us. Well,
3: absolutely. So I am a private chef. I'm a former restaurateur turned private chef, and uh, I live one mile away from the ranch where they film the show Yellowstone. <laughs> and I actually private chef at that ranch for guests because they operate as a guest ranch when they're not filming. So I private chef at that ranch and have been very blessed to have cooked for some very notable people and, and very fun people. And I, it's absolutely uh, a blast. I love what I do now. So, yeah, I get to kind of experience – I. One of the cabins they call is Rip's cabin, and that's one of the more popular ones. Like I literally go there, and as a private chef, I'll, I'll cook in that cabin. So when you see those episodes, if you do follow the show, you see the uh, the characters Rip and Beth, and uh, in his cabin, I've cooked in that kitchen. And yeah, it's dark. It's so dark. It's hard to cook. <laughs> yeah. Compare. But yeah, people rent that. Uh, one of the funniest stories I have is, you know, I'm I'm a chef and I'm only focusing on on cooking and prepping. And one of the guests came up to me and says, Shelly, wh- where's the train station? And I said, well, well, it's a long ways away. I mean, and I'm thinking literally the, the passenger train, like, you've yeah, got to go all the way up to Whitefish to get on that. Like, no, 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 no. We're talking about the show. I'm like, oh. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's on the border of Idaho and Montana, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna take you <laughs> to the train. Take you out yeah. back to the train. Yeah. <clears throat> so Chef, you're on you've got your own spice line. I and do. you're on um, what you told me that is kitsch.com where it's like an interactive cooking show.
3: Yes. So I have that show is called Shelly's Montana Table, and I am on Kitsch.com. Uh, slash Shelly dash Meyer, but I do all, I have my wild game uh, things on there as well as domestic meats as well. Uh, Fish and and so forth. But uh, kitsch.com is the fun thing about it is it's very interactive. Like it, I can do a live stream and you can call in Heath and, and ask me a question about exactly, you know, what I'm doing. If I didn't explain it well enough, you can go, hey, listen, that you know, what would you do with this or that? So it's kind of a fun new network that is more interactive on that aspect. So yeah, I'm on kitsch.com and then the fun thing. So I have two seasons of Shelly's game kitchen on carbon TV. However, season three will be exclusive. I'm going to be exclusive on carbon TV for season three and, and the future of Shelly's game kitchen.
2: Oh, Nice. Nice, and it's all it's all wild game. Is that correct?
3: Uh, yes, Shelley's Game mm-hmm. Kitchen is all about <clears throat> wild game. Um, I also, because as a private chef, a lot of my guests will come here and they want the Montana experience. <laughs> um, so I have cooked wild game dinners for you know elite clients. Uh-huh. Um, and then because of that aspect, I can't use what my husband and I harvest. I have to source it through USDA. And so I actually hooked up with an online source uh, and showcased that on on season two and several episodes too of how you can, if you're not from hunting community, but you still want it, or you don't have the exotic meats like Axis deer in your neighborhood and you want to try it. This is a great source to be able to get that or wild boar, you know, they're very kind of centrally located in Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, the most of them are. So um, that's kind of where this ranch is based out of, is is Texas. And and Wild and Pure, they have a fabulous mobile processing unit, USDA inspected. So the harvesting and the field dressing is done properly and and clean and on site, even for this USDA inspected uh, process. So it's kind of a cool source.
2: Nice. So that's going to roll us in our very first um thing we want to talk about cuz you and I touched on it you and I have the same belief that your food prep starts with the harvest
3: 100% 100% I believe there's so many people that are afraid to try game or they've they've tried a bad one that was gamey I honestly believe the quality of your food starts in the quality of your harvest and the quality of your field dressing, because the stress on that animal in the field will taint the meat that you're going to cook later. So prepping beforehand as, as a hunter, you know, really making sure uh, you've done your target practicing and, and all of those things to have a clean harvest. And then dressing it out. Uh, my husband is like a pro and he does it so fast and so clean. Um, I have seriously served because everybody knows we're a, we're a hunting family and mm-hmm. my freezer is full of wild game. Um, and when house guests come over or, or friends come over nine times out of 10, I am cooking them wild game from our freezer and I just don't think about it. And, and I'll, I'll serve wild game and not even think about it. And the guests will be, that's the greatest beef I've ever eaten.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and after they eat it and, and they've said that, then I'll say, well, that's because it was elk or it was antelope. I, I literally just had that conversation with somebody about antelope and everybody thinks that it's, The worst tasting.
2: (laughs) Sage. I hear that all the time. It tastes like sage. That's what I hear.
3: Well, and again, it it really kind of depends on where you're harvesting, what they eat. It's kind of like whitetail. Oh my God, a a corn fed whitetail is (laughs) butter compared to, you know, a grass fed that doesn't, it's not in cornfields. So, yes, what they eat matters. And that also comes into the locations of your hunts and and so forth. But, you know, I, I love antelope. It is clean. It is tender. Um, but we get it out of grasslands more Mm -hmm. than sage. So I, I really think that that's the difference of where they, where they feed.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, Because it depends on what the the food source is for the year does have a different taste to the, to the animal that I've been, um, uh, that I've had to deal with for sure. So what are some, what are some tips or what are some things that you would acknowledge when we're doing the processing to make, make the, the outcome better for us as hunters?
3: Nice. Um, our experience and, and what we do is, we will eviscerate and gut in the in the field, mm-hmm. and then we bring it back and hang it. Um, temperatures all always going to be an issue. So where you are, we're in Montana. So you know our hunting season is typically cold. So we don't have this much of a problem with that. However, if it, if if it's a fall hunt, you know, we always bring the ice and, and, and so forth, but we like to at least a week, if not two weeks, hide on eviscerated, we will hang it. Um, and, and let the enzymes that the natural occurring enzymes really go to work on that protein. Um, but again, that depends on the quality of the kill, um, you know, if if that was tainted um, because they they were stressed, uh, it wasn't a, a one shot kill or or what have you. Um, that that will matter. Uh, I I don't have personal experience with a scenario that was totally tainted because uh, my husband and and myself like I, one of my. Antler hunts was an antelope and it was a one shot kill. Um, so zero stress. And I think zero stress makes a huge difference in the quality of the meat and then the clean and fast uh, processes of how you dress it out. Right. And then, yeah, you know, like I said, we, we hang it. And that goes back even into the beef world. If you understand, you know, they hang carcasses, uh, and let those enzymes work. You know, it's like a dry aging process. So a, a minimum of a week, uh, if you can keep it, you know, cold and and or chilled. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's below forty or whatnot, you're fine.
2: Yeah, I just um I just bought a whole wagyu beef.
3: Okay. Wow. Uh, well,
2: let me tell you, it was ninety five percent wagyu, five percent um, uh, he- uh uh, my dad had run across. He's got a friend that that had some, and this one come up. So I was like, I'm gonna try it. But yeah. yes, when when we when I went and picked the the, the picked it up, took it to the the, the slaughterhouse. I guess that's what you want to call it. Um, yeah, they hung it for two weeks. Right. Like you know, Miss Taylor's like, hey, you know, it's gonna be three or four weeks out. We're gonna we're gonna hang it, take care of it, yada yada yada. And yep. literally, it was. She was about exactly right. I think it was three weeks later they called and said, "Hey, we you know we've got your stuff ready."
3: Yeah, um, it makes a huge difference. And, and people think that in wild game aspects, you know, I, I just had this conversation with somebody and that they're so anti antelope because you know they've they've haven't done the one shot kill and, and uh, the stress because their nickname is speed goat. So hmm. when they immediately we take off, you're tainting that meat. Those cases you have to let, in my opinion, you have to let that hang. Right down. So uh, and then you know determine through the the butchering process like we do all of our own butchering of all of our wild game. Uh-huh. So Brad and Brad will butcher and, and we'll we even process our own burger. We're we're set up with grinders and and we make our own sausage and and uh, smoke it and and all of that. So, um, I I've always found that being in control of every step along the way and not everybody can do that and I understand, mm-hmm. but know the quality of your butcher, um, and and I think that's huge because every single step from the harvest to the through to the uh, dressing out in the butchery makes huge difference in the final product, the taste, the smell, the mouth feel, all of that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the biggest tip. And I was shocked that other people didn't hang their game. Like I, I literally was shocked. Like, what do you mean you don't? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we always do. So <laughs> I think that's a huge tip.
2: Yeah, when when I was growing up, and my dad still has it. Dad's got a. A dairy um, out behind the house. And anytime we would kill a deer, we would let that thing hang seven, 10, 14 days. Um, And then as I've gotten older, of course, I'm not, I don't live close to there. So it's not an option for me. And I don't have a place to do that. And then for some reason, I want to say through some article or maybe it was something. That I'd seen where they, they said it wasn't necessary to, to hang your animals for whatever reason. But, you know, we're you know, we're in southwest Virginia, so sometimes during season it's a little warmer than yeah. than I would like it to be. And if you you know, the guys down south, they really probably don't have that option because yeah. of the temperature. Yeah. But I can tell you from my own experience that the bee, the 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 deer that we used to hang as I was growing up, to the stuff that I'm doing now has a different taste. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing and I, I, different I, yeah. other than the hanging.
3: The hanging, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: <clears throat> and that's just the the enzymes, the natural enzymes that happen in the meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes a huge difference. The the aging process. That's what that is. And I understand there are times and, and situations where you can't. In those cases. I would at least wet age. So um, if you've got if you have to butcher the whole animal, <clears throat> then get the um, the full primal cuts and wet age the primal cut. So uh them, put them in the fridge, wet age them for fourteen to twenty one days, and then take them out and and butcher them into individual steak cuts or or what have you. Um, I, I, it, it's a passion that if if you're truly passionate about the full process of not just the, uh, the hunt and the rush of the hunt, but you're truly passionate about what that product, the original organic aspects of that product does for a lifestyle, um, invest in having that refrigerator be, like a designated refrigerator uh-huh. in the garage that you can wet age your primal cuts. Um, I think it would make a huge difference, especially for y'all in the South.
2: <laughs> so explain that process to me again, because I'm not sure that I'm completely clear on the okay. wet aging. The wet
3: age? Yes. Okay. So if you have like your, your primal cuts, you can debone and have mm-hmm. um, like the, the full loin, mm-hmm. the, the full uh, backstrap. Okay. So you can have that full backstrap before you cut it into individual portions or whatnot. Cryovac, so uh, uh, you know, get the the sealer mm-hmm. where you take vacuum all the tray. air out. Mm-hmm. Vacuum seal. Thank you. Um, that whole primal cut, and in that vacuum seal process, then take that and refrigerate it. It's called wet aging. Dry aging is in a you know, a lined room where it's open to the air and so forth. But wet aging also allows the enzymes to break down the, the, the proteins and so forth in that meat. The wet aging will do not as great of a job as dry aging, but dry aging, you need fat. And you know, the, the qualities while game is lean. Um, But in that wet aging process, that cryovact, all of those enzymes are going to work on that protein to tenderize it, to create the flavors that you're you're wanting. Um, And then break the seal after 21 days, do at least 14 days, but we usually will do 21. Mm -hmm. um, And then pat it off and then cut it into portion sizes. However you like to uh, portion size for your freezer Uh, and that's when you would, we don't cryo back when we freeze, we wrap with plastic wrap several times. And then we do freezer paper, uh, just to prevent freezer burn and then freeze those. Uh, but yeah, the, the wet aging process will give you the enzymes that you need. If you cannot hang it, that's, that's the next step that you would want to do for the best quality of your eating experience.
2: All right. Before we move on, I want to ask you a question. What you just said. So we vacuum seal about everything we do. So exactly. what? W- why the choice to plastic paper and then the butcher paper? What? What is the benefit? Is there a benefit? And what? It, what drives it's that expensive. decision?
3: Yeah. Now it's just expense.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: It. It. it if you do <clears throat> like uh, five layers of plastic wrap, you're basically getting out all of the air. Cause that's the biggest thing you want to prevent air from hitting it. And then the freezer paper just, again, gives a, a, yep. a second layer of protection for freezer bird.
2: Okay. But
3: it's just expense, you know, because some of those bags are can get expensive and we, we go we, seriously, we do some, our, our, um, summer sausage and stuff like that. We always cryo back that, mm-hmm. uh, vacuum seal. Um, but, Usually on our steaks and, and burger, we just wrap with several layers, you know, like five or six layers of the plastic wrap and thin freezer paper. Got it. For expense.
2: Now, yeah, and you're you're right, because you know, I buy rolls of that vacuum seal stuff and it it is expensive it for is. sure. Yeah. So so all right. <clears throat> so when i first contacted you, I kinda thought, you know, let's let's talk about you know, some of the stuff that most hunters, um, they deal with. So, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I like to trout fish and catfish and striper. I catch, you know, quite a few stripers throughout the the summer and trout in the spring and we'll catch catfish some on the river. And then, you know, most people deer hunt. And we talked about bear and like the guys out West, the antelope and the the elk, which I do say, I believe, and I've I've not had a chance to eat it a lot, but I th- I'm fairly sure that elk is probably my favorite wild game. So, <clears throat> so let's Me just too. yeah. I mean, I and like I said, I'm I'm putting in for my tags. I want to kill one so bad just so I can have it. I mean, no other reason. Um, yeah, and and I talked to you too about maybe before we get ahead of ourselves. You know everything that we take you know i'm a I'm a big believer in if you harvest or catch keep whatever that we use it's a purpose we use it we don't waste we don't waste game and it's just you know i my great grandparents instilled that on me when I was a kid, and I'll tell you the story that I had went out one day and killed a pile of squirrels and um I let them sit out back and I didn't do anything with them. And my, my great granddad, he got all over me and he was like, son, you don't do that. You don't go out just to be killing stuff. And of course it was more, it was more violent than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: We're downplaying it. Yeah.
2: So, um, anyway, that has always stood with me. And, you know, to this day, um, and I and I have I mean I'm guilty. I've made bad shots or done something to destroy the animal that that yeah. was not obtainable and eatable. Maybe get a back quarter off of it. Maybe a a tenderloin strip or whatever. Um, but we we hunt. Of course, we love to be outdoors. But right. we hunt to 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 supply us with food. Right. And we fit. I love to fish. And if I'm not. If I don't plan on eating it, I don't keep it. You know, yeah. it's catch and release, catch and release. Um, right. So, you know, you and I had talked about that, and I'm I'm a firm believer in waste not, won't not. Like, don't do right. it. Yeah. So let's just start with the fish. Let's start with, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on the trout streams in the spring. Um, That's kind of where my trout fishing and turkey season is the spring thing here. Yeah. So let's let's tap into those. What you know, let's talk about a little maybe a little bit about prep, um some different ways to cook it. Like I told you, I can grill it and other than that, I just I'm not a cook. I don't care. You could give me a recipe and tell me to add a cup of this, a quarter cup of this, 2 teaspoons of that, mix well and put in the oven and it still wouldn't taste right.
3: <laughs>
2: I just I can't do it. I just can't do it.
3: That you know there's one thing as a chef that I can't teach and that's the chef's palate. So, you know, a lot of these, I I talk about this on my show, Shelly's game kitchen too. It's like, I can tell you add a teaspoon of this and a teaspoon of that, but you have to taste it and, and then be able to determine, you know, how much more do I need more salt? Do I need more pepper or, or what have you? Um, you know, talk, talking about, we talked a little bit about the kind of fish that, that you uh, catch. And, you know, it's, the trout is, here it's a lot of catch and release too. Um, and the smaller trout, the best thing is, in my opinion, is to smoke them. And, and really, because there, there's just so many, so many bones. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a pain, you uh, but smoked trout in, in in like a dip or uh, something like that, put a little uh, cream cheese and and, and uh, mayo and mix that up and, and make like a, a smoked trout dip, uh, fabulous, oh. fabulous. Uh, then with, you know, as a chef, we look at fish based on style. Is it a white flaky fish? Is it, you know, a, a red fleshed fish like salmon Mm -hmm. because each one has different techniques that are better for those styles, but they're trans, you know, you can transpose them into wild game or, or whatnot based on the style of meat Um, specifically with the fish, you know, the fattier fish, the red flaky, or excuse me, the red fleshed fish are usually your fattier ones. Um, They do great with spicy things. Um, they'll do great with, you know, glazes, your white flaky fish are more mild. So you want to keep the recipes more on the, the mild side, unless you do like a smoke. So that's what I love to do with small trout, uh, is, is smoke them, but a, a, a nice pan size trout and, and really doing, um, I think one of the easiest things is, you know, if you hear about scoring the the flesh, the, uh-huh. do like three scores on the, the top and on the bottom and then do a, a pan sear, you're just getting a crispier uh, skin and it's actually helping to cook the fish faster because you don't want to overcook it. It's such a delicate Mm -hmm. fish. don't want to overcook it. So being able to score that and, and, and have that be faster, um, is the secret to still having moisture, not totally dried out, uh, but cooked fish. And then it easier to pull those bones away, you know, in those scenarios. Uh, but a great oven baking is also great, uh, you know, those are things that fast and easy, put it in a, a or on the grill, put it, ha, do you like wrap it in tin foil with like onions and garlic and, and lemon slices and stuff and then put it on the grill?
2: So, yeah, and I, I want to go back to, to remind me to, to ask you about the scoring. Um, okay. But, yeah, so if, if I fix it, it's one of two ways, and you you mentioned them both. We put it in the um, the the pan. And and sear it, and cook it really slow after it gets there. And because like you said, it's thin, you don't want to burn it. My my best way for me to cook it is on the grill. I I soak it in butter, lemon juice, put a strip of bacon in it, roll it up in tinfoil, and put it on the grill for I mean less I mean ten minutes. It's done that's Next. that's yep. the how I can make it eatable if you want to eat it <laughs> so um, that's the way I do it. so yes go back to the scoring explain that to because like I said I am not a cook okay explain that to me and when you when you when you put it in the pan, what are you frying it in?
3: So when you're scoring it's just a super sharp paring knife and you're just just scoring the skin you're not going so deep that you're getting into the meat you're just trying to score the skin so a very light score on the skin and just like depending on the size if you got a size like this then it can handle five or, or six
2: so that's like a two uh, foot we're, we're, but, my, you we're know, working you got a
3: pan size like this yeah. you know three scores like maybe an inch apart is perfect on both sides. And then I, a high temperature, a high heat oil like grapeseed oil is my usual go-to or avocado oil or peanut oil, uh-huh. something that's high heat. You'll have a, um, enough oil in that pan to uh, cover the, the bottom of the pan, but not to be swimming. It's mm-hmm. just, just enough to coat the bottom of the pan. And then the other secret in this technique is super dry you got to ha- you got to pat that skin dry because moisture inhibits browning. Uh-huh. <laughs> so super dry, patted dry and then quick sear as soon as it hits that grease or that oil in that pan in a hot pan it's going to be immediately cooking. Uh-huh. And you know that's like a, a maybe 2 to 3 minute on each side. Um And then, if it's a really thick fish, you might need to finish it in the oven. That's kind of the the best way. I put it at three fifty in the oven uh, to finish cooking the flake. If it's a really fatty or a real fat trout, but usually trouts are are thin and skinny. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, that's if it doesn't seem like it's done enough, you can flip it on the other side just to prevent burning. But that's I love to do a sear and then finish it in the oven for, you know, two or three minutes.
1: The journey on the Houndsman XP podcast network is sponsored by Onyx. The most comprehensive mapping system in the world is available by going to onxmaps.com and downloading their app. Several subscription offers there. Highly recommend you use an Onyx. And here's a true story for you. We've all got that spot where when we turn our hound loose, at night, they're going to head that direction. Well, the other night, my hounds headed in a direction for that property that had recently sold. I had no idea who owned that property. I simply opened up my Onyx app, found the landowner information, cut the dogs off, and the next day, I went to their house. And not only did I get permission to hunt there, I think I made some new friends. They are beef farmers, and they do not like raccoons running through the feed bunks leaving their mess behind yeah go to onyxmaps.com and download the app today at checkout make sure you use the promo code hxp20 and get 20% off when you join us on patreon you will get a discount code for a deeper discount on onyx maps know where you stand with onyx
2: the journey on Houndsman XP has teamed up with one TDC. This dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas: their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last 6 months and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to worksowell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on the journey. What about let's move gusco catfish cuz we talked about that too. A lot of people don't like it because they think that it's it's not it's nasty.
3: Yeah well, and, and that goes back to the same thing of the quality of the harvest, the quality of the um, evisceration. And a good catfish is white flaky fish. It's clean. It's you know, if you've got a really beautiful uh, river fish and, and whatnot, it's it's so good. And I love to do blackened catfish. Tacos. I was (laughs) going to say,
2: those tacos.
3: Yes. Yes. And and it's because catfish, going back to that fattier, it can handle spice. So catfish has just got a little bit more fat to it, and you just need to cook it a little bit longer. But spice needs fat to carry the spice. So it's a beautiful fish to be able to do with blackening spice. And I actually, my, my spice line is Montana flavor to saber. And I have a blackening spice in that line. I've got seven different ones. I've got a blackening spice and an espresso rub that would be awesome Mm. with catfish and, you know, blackening. I love to do a cast iron, a hot cast iron skillet in that. And again, a high heat, Uh, oil sear it until you just want to see the flakes start to you know come apart you know then you're done done -hmm. that's the thing is the the technique to looking at at fish when it's done to me fish is the easiest thing to cook and other people are they're so afraid of it because if you overcook it it's dry if you undercook it you're eating slime yeah (laughs) but the Watching the 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 flakes of that fish kind of start to, you know, open up a little bit. It's done. You are it. Yeah, you're done. <clears throat> so, and yeah, black and catfish. Everybody wants to do a fish fry, and, and I love a good fish fry. The secret with the good fish fry is you have to season the breading. Even, even if it's just flour or whatnot, you've got to season that. And I actually did an episode on Chili's Game Kitchen where I what we do as chefs is is you don't know how much it's going to be seasoned. It's fine, yeah, it tastes like raw flour, but taste season your flour before you do your your breading technique mm-hmm. and make sure that it tastes salty enough. Make sure that there's flavor to it or put your blackening spice with that. Make sure that you can actually taste it in that breading because that's the first thing that hits your palate and makes for a better experience on your eating <laughs> well, i was gonna <laughs> because say because if you're gonna fry it a lot of that uh, the fry technique is actually only frying you're only getting oil into the top eighth inch it's a sealing technique to where then the interior is basically self-steamed you know a lot of people think that Frying is greasy and and so forth. If you do it right and it's the right temp, it's not that greasy at all uh, because it's just sealing in all of those beautiful flavors. Well, if you don't have any seasoning on that fish or in that breading, then it's steamed in nothing but water because fish swim in water. So gotta season your uh, fish I all on a thick piece of of catfish. I will season both sides with my fish seasoning or an all-purpose type of of seasoning, and then I will also do the same seasoning in the breading before I roll it and, and fry it.
2: Yeah, I was going to say we can't talk about fish without talk about deep frying because that's South. <laughs> You know how it is. Everything gets deep fried down here.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and and it's so good. Oh my gosh! Uh, But I like tacos, fish tacos, whether they're grilled or uh, deep fried. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of to me is a oh my. That's my version of fast food is tacos. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I mean the last, the last. I usually deep fry my catfish or my striper. That's the two things. The kids love striper. We make nuggets out of it. Nice. Um, and the, and you know, now that you're saying that the last time I cooked it here about a month ago, it was very bland. And I did not, we did not season the batter. There
3: you um,
2: go. So that, I can see that was the issue. Um,
3: yeah. I think that's, if there's any, if there's one takeaway from all my shows or, or, or today, Heath, is season every layer as you go. Yeah. So season your, your raw or, or whatnot because then you're developing flavors in those layers and you don't need as much at the end. If you don't season it along the way, you need way more salt at the end. If you're seasoning along the way, you're experiencing the flavors as they're meant to be developed, which is as they cook. Yeah.
2: Yep. Okay. Now let's move on to the turkey because that's something... Um, a lot of people don't like wild turkey, and I will say that I have been guilty of I don't I don't like turkey legs, and especially a wild turkey.
3: Wild yeah, turkey legs, yeah.
2: But I did what you just said: is we started smoking them and using them in salads and in nice. stuff like that, and it's made a huge, huge difference in. Nice. Um, so let me tell you how you can eat turkey if I fix it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. So, because <laughs> this is the only way. But I, what I'd like to do is, I'll I'll cut cut the breasts out, I vacuum okay. seal them, put them up, and then whenever we're ready to eat them, I'll take take it out, thaw it, and I'll cut it into strips like chicken strips, okay. and we okay. soak it. I soak it in um, buttermilk. Okay. And then we have a, a meal that's close to us that does seasoned flour. And I roll it in seasoned flour, and then we fry it in a pan. And okay. uh, you would not – I take it to work, and people can't – they'll eat it before it's – if you turn, turn your head, it's gone because, I mean, they're just smashing it down. So that's the way that I generally eat wild turkey. So help okay. us out.
3: So going back to what you're saying about the legs, it's the working muscle. Um, and that's why it's, it's doing the majority of everything on that bird. Um, and that's why a lot of people don't like them. Your perfect idea to smoke a, a turkey breast or, excuse me, a turkey legs. Um, I like the buttermilk brine aspect because there's acid in buttermilk. And it's the acid that actually helps to kind of break down those toughness. Um, if, but it, you can do like a, a, an acidic brine of some sort that's not buttermilk. But those ones, you kind of have to worry about how long you leave it because acid will kind of make that meat mealy. Um, but buttermilk has the right balance of fat with the milk and then the acid combined. So it's a beautiful and perfect, like I soak my hearts uh, in and livers and so forth in buttermilk before I I cook them. So I I love the buttermilk brine. Um, You could also do, so um, we've done whole wild turkey, just like you do a domestic turkey, but the secret is brining it. So uh, do it, getting a big enough, (laughs) because, you know, turkey, uh, wild turkeys are big. Mm -hmm. Uh, you need a big enough vat to create like a, a a brine and brines are just super simple. Um, the biggest thing is you have to have like five tablespoons of kosher salt to a quart of water and get that to where it's all, um, melted. and, And I like to do sugar, more salt than sugar, Um, but the sugar is the biggest thing because, or excuse me, the salt is the biggest thing because salt actually creates that enzyme aspect to break down the the toughness of those, of the turkey and, and also add moisture and so forth. And again, going back to what that turkey ate, so where you harvest it, also matters because you know, around here uh, in Montana, a lot of the turkeys um, are following the elk (laughs) Ah. and they're just eating elk droppings. Uh, Those don't taste so good. (laughs) So you really, where, where everything is harvested matters. It's not the bird as an, as a species, it's what they're eating. So, you know, if you get them um, where it's a lot of sage brushy, you have more of a sage. However, a brine will will really help that because fowl, any type of fowl or poultry loves sage, like to do rub sage. However, some people as humans don't like sage. So, you know, that's where you get people, I don't really like wild turkey, but other people do. I, I think those aspects come into play. Um, but doing a full on brine and then roasting it like uh, that's what I'm going to do for Thanksgiving this year is uh, my husband just got a, a wild turkey and we've got it completely plucked and uh, in the freezer. And that's what I want to do for Thanksgiving this year. Um, have a big family and, and so forth and, Friends, friends giving and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I that's my opinion on wild turkey.
2: So, just it, run, it. run through this brine real quick because you said salt, sugar, and water. Mm-hmm. So, is that it or are you adding something no, else to it?
3: I, I do like one of my um, I love on game, like my pheasants and, and uh, grouse and so forth, I love cardamom pods. So what I do in my brine is actually, uh, peppercorns, it's, it's the salt and brown sugar. I love that one. And peppercorns, bay leaves, uh, fresh thyme sprigs. And then I do cardamom pods. So Mm. cardamom just adds that little sweetness aspect that I love with my wild, with my wild game. Um, yeah, those, that's my game, brine, and uh, I can, I've got a, a ratio that the thing with uh, brining that's so fun is, I know I'm going to get off topic here just a little bit, but when I brine pheasant breasts, or if you've got that, uh, your wild turkey breasts or the wild turkey legs, brining is one hour per pound, but it's pound of the piece. So if you weigh that turkey breast and that turkey breast is two pounds, you need two hours in that brine and, uh-huh. and so forth. So, But it, if you're doing the whole turkey, then you got to weigh that whole turkey. And that's, you know, if it's 30 pound turkey, I got to brine it for 30 hours uh, to get all of that in there. So, I got you. Uh, but that's when you're piecing <clears throat> it out, like you have, a brine is awesome. Um, I would actually even suggest on your turkey legs, brining them before you smoke them. Because what you can impart, the salt draws into the full protein. So this, the salt in the brine helps all of those flavors draw into the full protein. So like if you like spice, so like we were talking about blackening earlier, you can add some... Um, uh, peppercorns, you can add some red pepper flake, um, Szechuan peppercorns would be awesome, uh, in a brine if you want a little kick, uh, to pull into that full protein. Cause then when you're biting through it, you get flavor through the entire bite, not just on the outside. So, you know, if you're frying something and, or just seasoning the outside and that, that turkey breast is this thick, you're only getting flavor on the outside, not
2: in the middle. And my problem with turkey, and I don't care if it's store-bought or wild, I always, it ends up being dry. That's my, that's the worst thing for me is I I can't cook it worth a crap because it ends up being dry. But now I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe I'm not letting that set long enough for sure. I know that's something I'm not doing.
3: Yeah. Well, and the science behind braining is... The same amount of moisture leaves that protein when you cook it, whether it's brined or not. So brining adds moisture into that protein, and the same amount of liquid will leave it whether you brined it or not. So that's that's yeah. if you're adding moisture in, that's how you prevent. Dry turkeys.
2: <laughs> I, I've I've wrote notes down, so I'm work, I'm going to work on that.
3: <laughs> Perfect. I can't <clears throat> wait to hear how it goes.
2: <laughs> so let's let's move on up up the chart a little bit. Let's get into some um, maybe some deer and bear. And I know we talked about bear, um, and something you said earlier really has me contemplating um, the harvest of a bear because we run hounds, right? So they're they're chased. Yeah. Um what I have seen through my experience with that and you know I'm I'm going on almost 30 years of it and I don't harvest a lot of bear. I, I don't really I don't care to. But you know we harvested one of the girls killed one this year and I ended up killing one this year. So we have a freezer full of bear meat and yeah. <laughs> we have rendered all the fat we could get off of it. Oh
3: nice. And nice.
2: we're you know we're cook we're cooking with it constantly um but I, I what i have seen is that the older more mature yeah. boars are more rank yeah. um uh, taste wise and 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 again i'm taking into consideration what you said said about yeah. you know the chase um it seems like your smaller um juvenile boars you know 150 to you know 2 250 d do not taste as strong in um, the sows, <clears throat> which I don't have a lot of experience with that because we try to avoid that at all cost. Um, so I can't really say because I don't I don't know that I've I have eaten a, a harvest a sows. So I don't know. But um, a lot of guys are telling me that they're cooking bear through sous vide. Oh, nice. That's how um, I've talked to several people now that's saying that's, that's how they're doing it. For me, personally, we use the hamburger in about everything. Um, of course, we mix it with uh, beef fat Okay. when we have it processed. Um, I like the roasts and the summer sausage. I'm not a huge fan of the steaks. And... Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, if I'm getting it processed, it's going to be hamburger roasts and summer sausage. That's basically what I do with, with what we take. So what, what do you, what do you, what's your take on
3: that? You know, I don't have the best experience with bear either. Um, like firsthand experience. as a kid, we had bear, my dad got bear and, and so forth. So, um, now, my husband has not been fortunate enough to actually harvest a bear. So as an adult, I don't have experience with bear. But I can tell you from an animal uh, species, it's the closest to pig. And because it's the closest to pig, you really want to look at it from those aspects. And and even in the domestic pig world, the old uh, old pigs are not the tastiest mm-hmm. because it is, it's going to get randier. And, and even in big game like elk, the old huge elk are, you know, tough and chewy. They're, they're not as good as, as the younger. So um, I love the fact if you've been cooking with the bare fat though, mm-hmm. like you rendered down that and you've been cooking with that and it tastes good then that's a good sign that the rest of the animal is going to taste good as well, um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that I would do uh, any of the steaks as well on a on a boar. Um, I, I I guess I would suggest on what I do with pork, and that's what when we were talking earlier is. You know, I can talk about how you would cook pork and, and so forth. The fattier meat, and, and bear is one of the fattiest ones in wild game, um, the more spice. So mm. you can really get away with adding a lot more of heat in uh, and spice and, and so forth. Um, the the burger and, and cutting it with beef, that also helps to mild out Mm -hmm. the 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 fair qualities Mm -hmm. and it is in in the game world is it is one of the more gamey randier type of games Mm -hmm. um and i as a kid i know we just used burger and uh i think we we did a couple of roasts but uh (laughs) my mom wasn't the best
1: cook
3: (laughs) sorry mom Um, Uh and, and when she did roasts, they just, they were completely tough decimated, (laughs) Mm but you know, it was the old time cooking of everything has to be completely decimated, but definitely with bear, you want to make sure, um, you have it to that medium. Well, A, a slight bit of pink is fine, but that's the same thing with quality pork. A slight bit of pink is, is fine. Medium. Well, but because you have to cook it more, mm-hmm. you're definitely gonna get more into that tougher or right. uh gamier aspects. And that's I think that's just inherent to bear, uh, unless you get a, a really young one. But like I said, if if you're cooking with flavorful rendered bear fat now, I think it, that's a great sign that it's gonna be a nice tasting one. But yeah, I, I think what you're doing is is probably the best burger, uh And then the roast you can you can brine Mm -hmm. red meat too, so a a brine on a on a bear roast would be really good. But I would like I said it can get away with a little bit more spice, so I would maybe add a little Szechuan peppercorn to my my brine and and so forth. So you know, doing one and determining how you like that flavor, definitely do the brown sugar and even on the bear, I would probably add equal brown sugar and salt on the on the game or excuse me on the upland and the turkey you want less sugar than salt but on the bear i would do equal portions of uh kosher salt and brown sugar because i think that that would really help the flavoring aspects the sweeter with with the fat of the bear i think it would really be tasty
2: nice and something you said there i want to hit on real quick is you know the bear has to be cooked a little higher temperature <clears throat> and I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I've heard several people say that um your deer's one sixty five your bear needs to be about one eighty five um internal does okay. that sound right or does that sound wrong or wrong, wrong? okay, yeah, well, that's why we're here to learn So
3: it's perfect yeah um so when I cook my deer i I cook it to Venison, medium rare, and even red meat Mm -hmm. birds, I do medium rare. Um, Sandhill Crane, it's a red meat bird. Migratory birds are red meat birds. You can cook those to medium rare, and it's going to be the best flavor. Um, And medium rare is 130 Mm -hmm. to 135 max. And then what I would do on bear is what you do on pork, which is 155. Okay. Now I know there's a lot of people can Google and, and uh, they'll come up with these random numbers, but definitely USDA and health inspectors are going to tell you (laughs) 20 degrees more than what you need, because even chicken is 165, 160 to 165. So there's no way you would ever want to cook venison to chicken standards, <laughs> uh, and and I would say bear, yeah. Once you reach 155, uh, you've killed all the bacteria uh, in in the game. If uh-huh. if you are worried about it, 165 is even 160 is what they say on domestic chicken. Um, and then you let it rest and it'll come up to uh, the 165 and, and whatnot. But I, I would not cook my bear more than what even domestic chicken needs because you've, you've completely killed bacteria uh, long before that point. So I think that's overkill. I totally think that those temps are overkill. So it's a good question. And it's also one of those things that um, I love explaining on, you know, red meat birds and migratory birds. Everybody looks at them like fowl or like poultry, excuse me. They look at them like domestic poultry and they're completely decimating it. And then they're like powder. And of course they're not going to like it you know that's not the way to experience the best qualities
2: yeah <clears throat> well yeah i i definitely get my my bear meat a little i'm i'm a medium rare and okay. i it's usually a well to or well or
3: get your yeah, yeah get your bear a little bit more cuz it's it's pork so you definitely <clears throat> have that I, I can't remember what the, it's it's is it brucellosis or am i thinking that's buffalo so I I can't remember what the actual yeah, disease yeah I want to
2: say trichinosis.
3: There it is, yeah, yeah trichinosis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you just want to be able to kill that, but uh, yeah, get it to a, a well done is you know 160, 155, fifty five one sixty max. You've killed the trick. So yeah.
2: Well, let's let's wrap this up with two things. I want I want to talk about deer a little bit because we've kind of hit on it. But we haven't really got into it. And then I'm gonna let you finish up with whatever your favorite is. Okay. So let's 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 knock out the deer. Um, deer. I mean, we do the same thing, and I guess I'm assuming everybody does the same. Um, I mean, we use every bit of it we can use. I mean, the tenderloin is obviously, my favorite cut. Um, roasts, hamburger, steaks. We eat a lot of deer steaks, um, and everything else is. Yeah, and then we make summer sausage out of anything that we don't have left, oh, and yeah. of course we do the high temp cheese and the jalapenos in it Thanks. and smoke. It's oh, I mean, I love it. I love it. So that's kind of what we do with deer.
3: Okay. Well, and and so what we do with deer is exactly the same thing. Um, we don't do as much burger. Elk, elk burger is far superior, mm-hmm. and we do a hundred percent. We don't cut it with anything. It's a hundred percent elk burger. Um, but deer, the steaks, the tenderloins, uh, backstrap, all of those things are, and roasts. Um, I, yeah, we, we do that. I also will do shanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will have like, I'll have Brad if harvest just bones. Like he'll cut me up leg bones and so forth and i'll make stock uh-huh. so i'll have uh-huh. wild game stock venison stock elk stock um fowl uh or uh, upland like pheasant i do pheasant stock and, and stuff like that trying to use everything and then uh antelope I'll, the shanks and and we'll keep them like whole we don't do them like You know, a lot of times uh, in the store or whatnot at the butcher, you'll have asabuco, which is, you know, they'll portion them out into like two-inch chunks. Mm -hmm. I'll do a full shank. So I'll get four, you know, do nice full shank, and I'll do a red wine braise um, antelope shank, elk shank when I've got a big uh, dinner party coming up. Um, But I love having pure elk stock Uh, venison stock, pheasant stock, or just game stock. Um, Every time I'm prepping, I will keep like the carrots and the onions that you always have trim. We call it trim. Uh, A lot of people just throw it away, but there's so much that you can use there. And I just, I'll put it in a gallon size freezer bag and save my trim of onions, carrots, celery, leek, uh, the herb stems, um, anything like that and mushroom stems, I'll put that in that freezer bag. And once I've got a couple of bags, then I'll thaw out some uh, bones out of the freezer, Uh, elk bones, or I've got two pheasant carcasses I'm gonna be doing here shortly. Um, So I'll thaw out the, the pheasant carcass. I'll literally make stock and it's so delicious, so tasty. And again, utilizing every aspect that you can from that harvested animal, um, so we talked about you rendering the bear fat. That bear grease is amazing for lard and, and uh, cooking ba- mm-hmm. biscuits. You can like I've made duck fat biscuits and and so forth. Um, I haven't made bear biscuits, but I absolutely would. Uh, I, I love the aspect, and, and even as I've I did one of my episodes was with liver pate, and that's another thing because it's wild game people have a tendency to think oh it's going to be gamey if you don't do it right and if you overcook it and going back to the sous vide so you talked about sous videing the bear and and so forth the sous vide technique is keeping the temperature at the same temperature so you never overcook it and and you get it to the perfect temp and especially with bear so you know if you're going to go up to 185, you're going to have kind of a, a tough tasting. Yeah. Uh, But so that's the beauty of sous vide technique is it keeps it, it cooks it to that temp and then holds it at that temp. Um, And I love to do like on my episode of Shelly's game kitchen on carbon TV, I did nilgai liver pate and I do it in a sous vide. So I'll, I'll, buttermilk, soak it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and draw out some of that, you know, inherent blood that's going to be there, super cleaned. And then buttermilk um, soak it whole. And then I'll sliver it and um, put it. I, I, when I say saute, I'm not meaning getting color. I'm literally putting it for like one minute. Like when I thin slice the liver, I'll, I'll put it in one, uh, I'll put it in a pan one minute on one side and then flip it one minute on the other side. And I'm just, again, getting the temperatures to that level and helping to draw out some more of that blood. And then it goes into a sous vide bag with, um, sauteed shallots and garlic and, and so forth. And the sous vide prevents it from getting overcooked. Mm -hmm. Um, it comes out beautiful, delicious, fabulous. I absolutely love it. Um, it, again, it's not like chicken liver pate. It's not, it's, it has its own flavor, but it's a good flavor. Uh, clean. Uh, again, it was harvested on an animal that was clean, clean killed. Um, and, and same thing with the heart. Uh, I Those were the things that I really challenged myself. So like, when I was saying before, I actually, I had a restaurant for 10 years, a steakhouse. And uh, my husband and I, uh, he worked it with me for two years. And then after two years he left and I ran it. Uh, I, After I closed the restaurant after 10 years, uh, I actually went through culinary school and became started private chefing and graduated at, at 50 at the top of my class. Um, but these are the things that I wanted was those basic techniques that really, I could challenge myself And I really wanted to challenge myself with wild game because yeah, we all can grill a steak. We can all, you know, make a burger with wild game, but let's learn how to actually honor the full animal to the best of our ability. So that's when I, you know, I started making the shanks and and doing the liver and the heart and, and so forth. And heart is just beautiful Oh my gosh it's such a, a clean beautiful uh, protein it's it, it's a full-on protein so um, so much goodness in the heart
2: how do you cook um, it
3: I so I will uh, slice it into probably one inch thick steaks uh-huh. uh, and then I'll, I'll clean out the ventricles and, and so forth and then I'll just season flour and dust it in like a seasoned flour and then pan sear it. And it's, again, it's a medium rare, uh, because this is wild game. Um, and heart is, is, it's just like a muscle. It is. Mm -hmm. It's all it is 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 a muscle. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you just cook it to medium rare, um, pan seared and then, you know, Serve it with a sauce. Like I've done a blackstrap molasses balsamic uh, reduction that is awesome with my heart. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to the deer real quick because I wanted to ask you this, but I didn't want to interrupt. <clears throat> so deer, in, in most game, and you alluded to it earlier, most game is um, leaner. Right. And when we go to cook this stuff, and I, I feel like we have learned through overcooking too much. Yeah. But I, I want to just use the burgers for an example because that's where we had the most trouble. Okay. Is If it's not mixed with something that has fat, yeah. then when I go to cook that burger, give me some tips where I'm not overdoing it. Because that seemed to be one of my faults. Is, is with And I'm just using the burger because that seemed to be what it was the most of.
3: So the biggest thing, yes, any type of venison is super lean. Like in the beef world, 17 grams of fat per three ounce portion. In most of the venison worlds, it's 0.9 grams of fat per three ounce. So super lean. And if you don't cut it, like, you know, even on the elk, like I said before, we don't cut it. Uh, with beef but a lot of people will add like either pork fat or they'll add beef fat because the fat helps as a binder to keep the meat together but also to add moisture because if you do overcook it it gets super dry um, but on venison burger it'll fall apart like if you're grilling that's it's gonna be falling through your grates <laughs> yep. yes one of the things yeah, one of the things that you can do, is uh, like our grill. If if you want to, two different schools of thought. So in a pan searing process, I love butter, and a lot of times people mess with it too much. It's a set it and forget it, because if you're if you put it down and then you're constantly trying to you know mess with it. I have a saying and it's food talks to you. If it's not coming up it has not had that my yard caramelization happen yet so super hot is what helps to sear and the searing aspect helps to keep it together um but like we do our 100 percent elk burgers on the grill and it's literally high heat set it and forget it until you know like one of the tricks that we always did even at the steakhouse is if you start to see blood coming out the top before you flipped it that's kind of like where you're getting into that medium stage so depending on how you like your burger i like a little medium rare to medium Mm -hmm. on my burgers Um, you definitely don't want to get more when it's game and the secret is super hot set it and forget it until it's releasing easily. So you might have to have a scenario depending on where your flames on your grill is, how close it is. Uh, you might not want it to have it like right there because right. you need to have some time for that Maillard. And and Maillard is just that browning. That's what it's called when it browns and caramelizes on your protein and on your grill marks. Um, so I would say having it overheat, but more so preheat that grill have it clean uh before you put that game on it and then in the pan again i i love to do butter in a in a pan and sear it set it and forget it do not touch it don't wiggle the pan don't try and move it around because that breaks it apart before it's had the chance to caramelize on the bottom and then if you if you are still having problems, one of the great things that you can do with uh, game is if it's 100 pure and you haven't cut it with beef, add an egg. Like it's kind of like you know you're making meatloaf, but you're not. Just whip up an egg and add that to your ground burger and season. Here's a secret: season the burger before you make your patties. Like I like to lay out um, your burger meat. Like say you've got a family of four or five or whatever, so you've got two pounds of a burger kind of flatten it out a little bit and, and do a good layer of seasoning and then mix it together before you form your patty. And you've got flavor again throughout instead of just on the top.
2: Got it. All right. Yeah, I can do that. I can. Now are you flipping the burger or are you leaving it? Am I what? Are you flipping it?
3: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll flip it, but you need at least a, uh, that was that Appalachian uh, accent. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I flip it, but it'll be at least two to three minutes before you get that my yard, mm-hmm. and then flip it and do the same thing on the other side. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, this. I mean, I I love it. I'm like, food is my weakness. Like, I love to eat. My you know, my great grandparents, my my mom, like food is i mean <laughs> i love food i could eat all the time which is yeah. probably i need to cut back on a little bit but anyway um
3: it's it, the great equalizer and and you know when you cook for somebody else you're showing love and and care and when you do that with something that you harvested you know that level of care that you're giving to your family is is just super special. And like I said before, this is the original organic. You can't get more pure right. than, than wild game. Um, and it's another reason why I love it, but it's also, it, it just takes techniques. And, and if you think about lean, lean protein techniques, you've got it down. That's right. Get creative.
2: <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough. I mean, I'm honored to have you on here. Um, you know, it's, you've already give me some tips that I'm going to work on. So Great. if, if guys, if guys and girls that are listening, if they want to look you up, yep. where, where do they go to look you? I know you're on carbon TV. Where, how do they look you up?
3: Thank you. And, and this has been such a pleasure and honor. And I, I'm, I'm so glad to do this with you. Uh, I, my social media is chef Shelly Meyer. Um, and that's Facebook and Instagram. I am Shelly's Game Kitchen on Carbon TV, which is a completely free app. If you're not familiar with Carbon TV, you need to get familiar. It is so cool. There's so many like 250 plus shows on there with, and it's all outdoor content. So it's our type of people and our type of shows. And and I'm just one of them lucky enough to be on there. I've got two seasons on there. So I think probably 24 episodes up and then I'm getting ready to start filming season three. Um, But you can download Carbon TV onto any smart TV or device and watch it for free. Just like you download Netflix, you can download carbon, but it's free. Um, And then I also am on kitsch.com and I will be doing new episodes and and streaming live on kitsch once a month. And then also putting up other content usually on Thursdays. So you can catch me at uh, kitsch.com slash Shelly dash Meyer and carbon TV is carbon TV.com slash shows slash shows. Shelly's-game-kitchen, and then social media, like I said, Chef Shelly Meyer. Follow me on Instagram, and I, I share recipes and, and so forth, and that's the other other thing. I am working on a cookbook, so I, I would love to hear back from the viewers. I, I'm thinking about doing a cookbook, and I was going to do not just Wild Game, but also just kind of my favorites from my restaurant days. And before we had the restaurant, we catered and stuff like that. So kind of some of those, if you got a big party, um, uh, recipes of, you know, we do, um, pig, we'll roast a pig and, and have the whole neighborhood and friends come over. So a lot of the questions I get is how do you figure out portions so you don't have waste? So I can share some of those secrets, but I'd love to know if people would like a just wild game cookbook or if they'd like a little bit of everything, mostly because, like I, I told when I was interviewing uh, uh, for my kids channel, um, Shelley's Montana Table, I said, you know, I'm a lot wild and a little bit tame.
2: So,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and a, a cookbook that's more on that inspired yeah. is is what I'm thinking. But I'd love to hear feedback.
2: All right. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day to help us with with us. After the harvest and things we can do with the, the wild game, I think it's very important. Like I said, it's um, it's instilled in us and our family that if you harvest an animal, that you're harvest is to, to provide for the family. So I think our our views are so in line, and like I said, that's um, I think we should be preaching that to everybody, honestly. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on and helping us, and this has been a pleasure.
3: Thank to do you. this, it's been my pleasure. So it's so fun to talk with you, Heath. Thank you for having me.
2: Yes, so thank you for helping us teach, train, and learn, Chef Shelley.
3: Perfect. Thank you.